0: You may be seated. Our scripture today is found in Nehemiah chapter 3 verses 28 and 29. Above the horse gate the priests made repairs each in front of his own house. Next to them Zadok son of Emir, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him Shem, Shemiah son of Shechaniah, the guard at the east gate made repairs. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's kind of like associate pastor hazing, right? I could have kept going and like haze Greg a little bit more. Like, read all these names. Um, we're in Nehemiah now. We're at the very end of the Old Testament story. It actually ends in Nehemiah, the prophet Malachi, that which is actually at the end of the Old Testament in placement. And then Nehemiah, which is actually situated kind of in the middle, but it tells the story of the end. So we've come now from January to understanding the whole Old Testament, the whole story Um, that's there. And then we're going to pick up in the fall with the New Testament. So we've seen Abraham and David and Moses. And then we have this period of time that are called the silent years, 400 years between when Malachi was written and when we hear in Matthew, this is the story of Jesus the Messiah, the son of Abraham, the son of David. So you see how the narrative is being woven together with the story that we have known and we're studying and what will come. So here we are at the end, right? The end of the Old Testament. And thank goodness we're going to go out on a high note, okay? Because it's been kind of a this kind of a ride, right? Um, or a pendulum swing, no matter how however you want to think about it. There have been highs and lows. There's been faithfulness and unfaithfulness. And we come to the end and we see a period of faithfulness, a period of renewal, where the people have rebuilt their temple. They've rebuilt the altar. They've rebuilt their homes, right? And they're living in Jerusalem again. The problem is that the wall is still torn down around their city. And this is a huge problem in the ancient Near East. So what we're going to talk about today is how you change the world. How you tackle problems that are way beyond what you should be able to tackle. How the world changes, that's what Nehemiah is about, and that's what God wants us to be about today. So I want to show you the wall that was kind of stymieing them. Here's some pictures. This is modern-day Jerusalem. And so when you go to to Jerusalem, to other cities, you'll still see, see this piece right here? This is all wall. And in your study guide, you'll see what the modern wall looks like, and this is, in fact, the modern wall. And then what the wall looked like in Nehemiah's time. And you see here on the inside, here are some faces you may know if you can see them. And here along in the walls, the walls weren't that high inside. But maybe you can tell these are really tall walls on the outside. So what Nehemiah and the people in Nehemiah's time were looking at, and the reason that they hadn't rebuilt their walls is it was just too big of a project. It felt like way too much impossible almost, to rebuild the walls. Now, 140 years before, right before Babylon destroyed these walls and the the whole nation of Judah, Israel had 46 fortified cities. 46 cities with walls all the way around them. Forty-six strongholds, they called them. So in times of disaster, the people from the country could flee behind these walls and be safe. They had a water supply. They would stockpile food. They could withstand a siege in a day before air warfare. I mean, an arrow might go over, but a lot of times you couldn't even get the arrow over. So when Babylon came, they destroyed the walls. If you destroy the walls, you destroy the resistance. You destroy the people. They have no chance to stand against you if there are no walls. So suddenly, Israel went from 46 fortified cities to zero. Now, after the people come back and rebuild, they've rebuilt the temple, they've rebuilt the altar, their own homes. The word that reaches Nehemiah is they have not rebuilt the walls. It's been 140 years. And the reason the walls still haven't been rebuilt is the scope. The walls in Nehemiah's time would have been about a mile and a half in circle, okay, in circumference. They would have been 25 feet tall or taller, and in many places, 25 feet wide. So the idea that when these walls are knocked down, even if, like, say I got it in my head, right, or Ann did, or maybe Sandy did, like, we need to rebuild these walls for safety, What in the world is Sandy going to be able to do about fixing a mile and a half wall? What are any of us going to be able to do about that? Even if for the rest of our lives we dedicated ourselves one person to this project? Even one neighborhood. Say Sandy gets her neighbors together and says, Hey neighbors, you know, our whole street, where you build this wall. It it was too big. They couldn't do it. It's paralyzed them. So Nehemiah comes from Persia. He's an official in Persia, but he's Jewish. And his whole intent and purpose is rebuild this wall. Restore safety and security. Have a place where the darkness can be kept out, where people know we're safe here. And so he goes back, and the way he organizes it is what we heard in the scripture today. Is he gives each person Each neighborhood, each little group, one piece. They don't have to worry about one and a half miles and 25 feet. They have to worry about what's right in front of them. And the part I love about this is the part that I had Greg read, which is that each person took a very, I think it's strategic place a lot of them, most of them, were rebuilding the piece right across from their homes. So they didn't have to go across town to a place they'd never met. Nehemiah just said, you guys, rebuild the section right by your house. Fix that. And so all of them, if you read chapter three, and these little groups take a section, six yards maybe, take a gate or a curve or a corner, and they fix that. And the piece is joined together until the entire wall is completed. And what had stymied them for 140 years, for generations, with Nehemiah's leadership and each of them just rebuilding that one piece, takes them two months. Two months. This is how the world changes. When Each person rebuilds a piece in front of them, and the pieces join together, and suddenly security is restored. And the people, now with this new wall protecting them, have a place for their faith to flourish. And so the very next thing we hear is after they celebrated that we did the wall, they gather with the wall at their back, right? So in a safe place, and the people say to the priests, read to us the word of God. And they stand from 8 a.m. to noon. From little kids, old enough to understand. If kids, if y'all are here at service, then you were there, right? All the way to the oldest. They stand and they listen to God's Word being read, to the first five books of the Bible. They hadn't heard the Scriptures in 140 years. In their whole lifetime, they had never heard the Scripture. They didn't have it at home. In their parents' lifetime, their parents had never heard the story that they were part of. Their grandparents maybe hadn't heard. And they stand there and they hear this story that God is writing, this story of restoration and renewal, this story of calling and purpose, and they all begin to cry. They realize we're part of this. This is our story. And so they go and they have this feast where they celebrate and they send portions. If they have extra, they send it to somebody who doesn't have any. And that's how they restore themselves. And that's where the Old Testament ends with this community rebuilt, reborn, restored. That's how the world changes. In Nehemiah's day and today, We have to remember that. I need to remember that. Because every time I watch the news, story after story confronts me with the brokenness in the world, with the poverty, with the affliction, with the violence. Time after time, I see a tear in our fabric or a wall broken down that is so much bigger than anything I feel like I can fix on my own. Even as your pastor, I think, what can our church do against a need like this? And what happens, I don't know if this happens to you, but I feel kind of paralyzed and helpless sometimes when I listen to the news. To where there are times in my life when I actually turn it off and take a sabbatical. This is just overwhelming the need. And what happens is we do nothing because it feels like I can't do anything. But then we just remember Nehemiah. Just remember Nehemiah. And then we know what the next step is. Then we know how the world changes. It changes when we fix the piece in front of us. Still today, God is not calling us to restore everything that is broken. He's calling us to know what's broken across from our house and fix that. And we're good at that. I mean, I realize that I think this week is the start of my fifth year as your pastor this week here. And when I came here, thank you, Janet. No, y'all don't. (laughs) That was not a begging thing. I'm happy to be here. I want to be here another 15, okay? I didn't come here and have to teach you about rebuilding. I came here and got to join in. I remember coming home and telling Kevin this church has a heart for what is broken and trying to mend it. I can't believe I get to be the pastor of this church. This is so exciting. I don't need to teach them. They're there. And so we're there, right? We we are trying to rebuild broken walls, not just here, but in Africa, in San Antonio, in Guatemala. We're going to restore the brokenness. We're going to do what we can. And as I look at y'all's faces I mean, I could tell so many stories about the ways you guys are fixing what's broken across from your home, are doing what you can, but we'd be here till next week, okay? So can I just tell you a few? Would that be okay? A few ways that walls are being rebuilt. Here's one. You know that we do a backpack blessing for our kids. The first year I got here, we pulled them all into the center, we blessed them, and we sent them off to school. And that's a great first start, right? To say, start the year with blessing. We've never done this before, but all together we're going to bless you. And then that very year, you all realized, well, there are kids who can't bring a backpack to get blessed. They don't have the resources. Let's provide it, right? That's what the church said. And so we partnered with Helping Hand, and they gave us a list of 33 kids, and we got them backpacks, and we filled them with all their school supplies. When I see school shootings going on in Connecticut or Colorado, I start praying. And I wonder, what can I do that will stop children from hurting other children? I feel like God is whispering, let's keep praying, and then let's help our kids hear. Let's help them know that they're loved, that let's help hold the darkness back off of them, right? All of us feel that. So this year, as we have 10% going to outreach, we we were like, all together, you guys, I don't want to claim this, we're like, we could do more. We could help more than 33 kids. We could help all the kids at Helping Hand and then go out into our community and just see if other people need help. We were like, maybe we could get 75 if we beat the bushes. Turns out you don't have to beat the bushes. Um, We have a list right now of 220 kids in our community who need help, who can't have enough money to go back to school and have school supplies. We got a call from a grandmother. She's honestly closer to another church, and she called that church and said, I'm trying to raise my three grandchildren after my daughter abandoned them. I'm on a fixed income. I just didn't expect to be raising kids right now in my life. Can you help me? And this church, bless their hearts, said, we just can't, but we know a church that can. Bee Creek would help you. And they referred to us, and Martha talked on the phone, and Martha said, Let me take the names of your kids, and let me assure you that we will get them their school supplies. Tell me their school, their ages, and just know we've got your back. As that grandma is trying to rebuild this wall of safety for those kids We're helping with a brick. It's not the whole wall. It's a brick. There's another mom. She's 21 years old, 22 years old. She's got a little two-year-old, and she's got a baby on the way. And she is trying to raise her three teenage brothers after her parents abandoned them so that they won't go to foster care. She called us. Do you help people in Marble Falls? Yes, we do. We help people in Marble Falls. And so, God willing, we are going to be able to help over 200 children go back to school, just start the school year without shame or fear or embarrassment because they have school supplies It's just a brick, right? But it's a brick. It's saying we got your back. And when you give people that shelter and that safety to just hold back the darkness, that's where your heart can grow. And that's what we want for these kids, for their hearts to grow, for them to know that God loves them and that people they've never met have their back. We do this. You do this every day. That's our big church scale. You do this every day. When you just do what you can, give what you can. Y'all know that we gave away our Palm Sunday offering to help dental needs, right? Because one of the things that people who are trying to put gas in the car and food on the table and just keep the lights on forgo is they forgo their dental care. And it's painful. And it can lead to an infection that can be systematic and very dangerous. And so Helping Hands said, if you could help us with one thing, please give us money to provide for unmet dental needs. And we said okay. So we gave away our offering. Outreach matched it. We had $7,000. And many of you all know him. He's actually here today. Dr. Charles Anderson is a dentist in our area. And what he does is he cuts his fees in half so that he can treat the very most people possible with the money that we've provided. I don't think he's even covering his costs. But he's rebuilding the wall across from his home. He's doing what he can to push back the darkness. And when those sections meet up, Ancient builders actually would put sections together because they create strength. So Dr. Anderson's section meets with your section, and meets with your section. All of our sections pull together, and suddenly the wall is rebuilt because we did what we could. So we have one of y'all is a, a drama teacher, and she's helping out with this outreach camp. She's like, I can do that for the kids in East Austin. And we had a guy named Glenn, he's one of your fathers, visiting from Wisconsin. Glenn was here on Wednesday crawling around in the attic, not on the lake. Like, Hi, it's nice to meet you. Hey, I'm Glenn. I'm, you know, I'm so-and-so's, and I want to help you fix your air conditioner. We have new people I met just today. They said, I'd like to be a greeter and usher because I felt so welcome when I came. And I'd like to give that gift to someone else. Yes. And so when we put drama teacher with air conditioning repair, with giving to kids, with greeting people, with driving the cart, with going down to San Antonio, your piece and my piece and all of our pieces form together and the darkness is kept out and a sanctuary is created and the world changes. So never, never, never be paralyzed by the massive scope of problems you see in the world. Just give your two hands, your gifts and skills to what is right before you and fix that. Fix that. And all of our pieces will join together. And God will restore the world. God will put it right. That is the story. And we get to be a part of it. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would help us understand that we matter. That our efforts change the world. And help us as a community to not be afraid of the problems that we see in the world, but to lift up our heads, to let your spirit fill us, and to do what's in front of us, knowing that it's enough. Link these pieces together, Lord, that we give to you. We dedicate our work to you. Build them together and build them strong so that in this community we could carve out a sanctuary where our own souls could lift up to you and where the many people who have never known a haven or a safe place could come and find refuge. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.